So, you've just finished A Court of Thorn and Roses, and you're craving another fantasy world to devour. Dipsy's got your back. Dive into spicy enemies to lovers' tales, or embark on an epic romance between immortal fae and sworn foes. They've got fantasy romance stories perfect for your morning walk, late night, or long bath. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, spicy audio stories. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. I gotta tell you that the immersive soundscapes are really what makes a good sexy story different from a not good sexy story because it just like adds, like it's hard sometimes in like reading a novel to like get the actual feel of what's going on. But when it's like, oh, we're like at the coffee shop and this is like actually happening. It's like very different. (laughs) And there's a growing library of fantasy series with werewolves, Greek gods and goddesses, Regency era historical fiction for you, Sam, and fairy smut to explore the bounds of your pleasure. New content is released every week. So in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. Dipsy offers a modern approach to romance through high quality and captivating audio fiction. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash just break up. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipsystories.com slash just break up. Dipsystories.com slash just break up. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey, Just Breakup listeners, you already know that Sam and I put out an extra exclusive episode every week over on Patreon that you can access for just $5 a month. And if you support us for $10 a month, you also get video recordings of those episodes and we are going to shout your name out on our episode. Yeah, just like this. So we want to say thank you to our $10 patrons. Thank you to Zainab Tonak. Thank you to Joanna Garcia. Thank you so much, Cookie. Thanks, Gray Chen. Thank you so much to Alyssa Allen. Thank you to Isamar Urbano. Thank you so much to Samantha Huynh. And thank you to Amanda Lynn Fountain. If you want to get access to our exclusive bonus episode that comes out every Wednesday and additional bonus rewards, check out patreon.com slash justbreakuppod. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. <laughs> and I'm Sam Blackwell. <laughs> I almost forgot. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, and this week, we're going to tackle topics like relationship relapses, breakup shame, and how life goes on. Mm. But before we begin, we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that we are not licensed mental health practitioners, relationship people. No. We don't have any advanced training besides Mm -mm. the training that life has brought us. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. We are not professionals. We are not trained in this. So please take our advice as you see fit. We are just two humble English majors (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, 
uh, sharing our humble musings to hopefully shed some understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding but mostly confusing experience that is love. All right, Sam, this week's check-in topics is actually inspired by a post that I made on our Just Breakup Pod Instagram. If you do not follow us on Instagram yet, check it, check it out at Just Breakup Pod. Um, so I made a post this week, which it was, uh, or this weekend, that said, like, what are the red flags that you missed early on in your past relationships? And honestly, mm. it sparked some pretty good comments. But what I truly wanted to post, like, like after I made the graphic and posted it was as I was doing some reflection in my own life was what are the red flags that you've seen in yourself? <laughs> because I feel like identifying red flags in other people is like JBU 101. And then like identifying <laughs> red flags within yourself is like JBU masterclass, you know? And... um. And I also, you know, I think when I was posting it and reading some of the comments, I was like reflecting on the idea of um, how toxicity breeds toxicity and like, you know, our, our anxiousness breeds anxiousness and, and that we're all, you know, there are definitely some awful garbage people out there that we date. <laughs> um, but a lot of times we're like all learning as we go. Um, I, I'm definitely guilty of that. So the check-in topic today is like what red flags in the past or present do you see in yourself? Mm. I know, right? Oh, <laughs> Good morning, by the way. Can't wait to, <laughs> to drag myself uh, to all of our listeners. I can start. I can start. I know. I, I'm like, I've got this like a Rolodex. Like, let me see all the fucked up ways I'm fucked up. Um, I think that one of my red flags is probably that I can be uh, pretty critical of people um, in terms of like, there's kind of a right way and a wrong way to do things. Yeah. And I'm obviously working on that in myself because I know that that's not true. No, but, you definitely um, have accepted the fact that I like camping. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you no longer, you know, scoff at the idea of. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I remember yes, this summer I, I was, I got poison ivy and I'm sure I bitched about it on the podcast. And I was like, I have poison ivy. And you yes, were you like, <gasps> where did you get poison ivy? <laughs> <laughs> like, like outside, bro. <laughs> <laughs> well, I grew up in the woods and I have never gotten poison ivy. Yeah. So well, like I, to be fair, I grew up in the woods too, and it was nobody, it was nowhere on my pro property. So I, I didn't get poison ivy until I was in my thirties in the middle of the city. <laughs> yeah, that's what that was the question. Of like, <laughs> you live in a city now. Where is this poison it's ivy? Like literally like just <laughs> in my fucking garden. <laughs> anyway, sorry, off topic. Um, but that's a great example of the fact that sometimes my tone doesn't match my, <laughs> my curiosity. And so I, I think that one of my red flags is that I, not necessarily that I'm like critical of like, don't do that, but more of like, how did you get yourself into this yes. situation? Yeah. Because I'm always like, because the way that my brain works is that like, if you can think through every possible scenario, then you can prevent bad things from happening. Yeah. And so I just totally. assume that other people are doing that all the time. And the way that it comes across is like, you're an idiot for getting yourself in this position instead of being like, oh, I'm so sorry that this is happening to you. Yeah. 
Uh, a red flag in me is I definitely on the podcast love to preach abundance, but I can enact scarcity anxiety on my partners, meaning like, mm. what do you mean you have another close friend? Like, I should be your only close friend. <laughs> you know, like, mm -hmm. what mm -hmm. is, uh, like, um, you tell me that you love me once, but like, can't you tell me a thousand times? Because I need, there's, there's a finite amount of love, <laughs> you know? Um, uh -huh. I've gotten much, much, much better at that, especially in my own growth and like being partnered to a secure person that doesn't trigger my anxiety and scarcity, but I rem looking back in my most toxic relationships, that toxicity flowed both ways <laughs> because um, I have a habit of wanting to control a situation or wanting to keep things close and a fear of things being over, you know, or like being threatened. So I could be really threatened by close friends. I could be really threatened by exes. Um, I can be really um, just threatened by general inconsistencies. And I know that in my work at my worst, that has brought out a really a person that I'm not super proud of. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, pr I think proudly I can say like after doing all this, just break up work with you and conversations, I'm not sure I would return to that person. Like, I'm not sure I could like truly stand her, <laughs> <laughs> um, but she was definitely there for sure. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's real. And also, like, you're in a relationship where those. It's yeah, not like, I'm not being triggered. <laughs> like, I'm not. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. Where you can be like, nope, that person really is just their friend. And I know that. And I trust them as opposed to being yeah. like, well, maybe they're actually sleeping with them like they did that other time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> what about you? Any other red flags you've seen in yourself in the past? Um, yeah, I think in the past, I. Use anger as a way to be seen yeah so like i i feel like if i'm hurt i don't um and this is like more past me yeah but like when i was hurt and wanted the person to see that i was hurt the way that i did that was by being angry and being like mean to them to see like this is see like i'm so i'm so upset with the things that you're doing um and now being in a partnership where the person does see me like that has become less because, and also like, I'm just better at yeah, being you're like, just, mm -hmm. I'm, this is what I need is to be seen. What I don't need is to hurt this other person. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh my God. That is so like, put that on a fucking <laughs> plaque right there. <laughs> so then I just like, I say the thing that I need to say, or I, I like ask for the attention that I need rather than being like, I'm going to let this come out sideways. And because I've, because I've been told and I firmly believe that my needs aren't warranted or that they they don't deserve to be seen. Right. But now that I am a little bit healthier, I recognize that my needs are okay to have, <laughs> that yeah. I can ask for people to see them. Yeah, totally. Um, I would I would say another red flag that I've seen in myself that's kind of connected to what I was saying before, but like a true legitimate red flag that I like cannot believe. I used as a tactic unconsciously is um, I think I used to isolate my partners, which is like such a gross fucking thing to say out loud. And this is a hundred percent past Sierra. Um, but like, it's gross to say out loud because I know that's a tactic of abuse, but like abuse, begets abuse, you know? Um, and I think I used to like feel really 
threatened by their other relationships, as I was saying earlier, but even like parental relationships, you know, room, you know, like I felt like, um, I felt this gross, toxic little Sierra in me wanting to control everything and wanting to like take them, you know, it wasn't ever so conscious and, and so much, so much toxicity isn't right. So much, so much toxicity within us is just us trying to get our needs met in the unhealthy ways that we were taught by our parents and our peers and our media, you know, like, because we're untrained because we we're because we're fallible because we don't know what we're doing and we learn as we go. Um, but I definitely, as I learned more about abusive behaviors and experienced more abuse in relationships, I started seeing that that isolation tactic was a, a move that I would do because mm-hmm. I wanted to mm-hmm. be wanted and needed. And I wanted to have them to have somebody to complain to, to me, you know, like, um, yeah, that makes me feel really gross to say that. <laughs> mm-hmm. But like I said before, I, I don't know if I could return to that person because I think she's so gross. <laughs> mm-hmm. And also like human and understandable. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. And I think that that's like we all have infinite capacity to hurt each other. That's the reality of it. And none of us are immune to having our needs and hurts come out in in sideways ways that like hurt other people and ourselves. Like, and that's what is important for us to recognize is like, there's not a cabal of awful people who are all like abusers that like subscribe to the, the mailing list and like choose (laughs) this thing that they're doing, you know, the the monthly tips that they get. Yeah, for sure. Isolate, gaslight, manipulate. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's like, this is just our human capacity to be able to, to like minimize our own needs to the extent that we like retaliate against people who don't deserve it. And like, it's important to recognize that because we all have the infinite capacity to be awful to each other. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm, a, I'm picturing... the way to heal that is to like heal ourselves and to like see ourselves and be like, Oh, that's right. I was isolating people because I was feeling so anxious that I wasn't deserving of their love. And if they saw other people, they wouldn't love me anymore. Yeah. Like, and I think, I think understanding how that pain and those needs comes out in me or came out in me in the past, in the future, that Sierra is not going to come out, but you know what Sierra will is the one that's like, oh, you can't isolate me because I know what I know how your pain showing up. Right. Like and I'm not going to accept that or or whatnot. Um, sure. Yeah. And I also I think about like a just breakup listener that like this is their first episode and they're like, who are these fucking sociopaths <laughs> that are hosting an advice podcast? Well... <laughs> This is kind of a really good sample of the show. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, just buckle up. (laughs) Just kidding. It'll get better from here, I promise. As always, thank you to our community for holding us with nuance because, like, y'all know that we Mm -hmm. share a lot of intimate things about ourselves. Um, And, yeah, so I love that check-in topic. Are you ready to get into our letters? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. This first letter comes from What the Fuck is Happening? Whose <laughs> I pronouns love are that her, title. <laughs> whose pronouns are she, her, who is writing from Relapseville. Hi, Sam and Sierra. I listen to your podcast weekly after months of binging after a breakup earlier this year. It helped me so much as I didn't have many friends to rely on to help me process this between COVID and a huge falling out of the group last year. 
It's been eight months since I broke up with this guy I dated for a year. We never got to saying I love you, but I was close to doing it. He suddenly started pulling away and becoming distant and just seemed off for a while. So one day I asked him if he was happy and he dropped the line no one wants to hear. I just don't know where this is going. And I like being with you, but it's more like you're a friend. Fucking ouch. In hindsight, I think he had depression and anxiety issues from his departure from the military and figuring out civilian life, which included a job, the National Guard, and being a full-time student, and his relationship with me, which started right before he retired. I was the opposite. My career took off a year ago or so, and I knew where I was headed in life, which included marriage and and a kid. I don't think he was at that place. I am just speculating here, though, because when I asked him why he was feeling the way he did about our relationship, all he could tell me was, I don't know. Again, fucking ouch. Anyway, I spent the last eight months living my best life. I did go through a bit of sadness and depression. It was hard, and I will acknowledge that. But then things got better. I bought a new house and moved. My career is really going well. My community presence as a visual artist is getting serious. I'm traveling and spending time with my family that I haven't had a chance to before. I'm running again, and my dogs and I walk daily. Like, I'm living my best life. I even dated a little. Suddenly, though, I started missing him again and thinking over the relationship, what went wrong, trying to assume what he was thinking and feeling, and why he was so okay with ending it that way. It and he consumes my thoughts again. I'm on the verge of tears all the time. Mm. I feel like I'm crazy. I thought I was over this. I know I should let myself heal, but man, this feels like a step backwards. I feel like I'm relapsing and I don't know why. Mm. Google told me that all of this is normal, but is it? It doesn't feel normal at all. How do I survive a relationship relapse like this? I have considered talking to a counselor, but right now I think I am more upset about feeling like I've relapsed than how the feelings themselves I'm having about him and the breakup are making me feel, if that Mm. makes sense. I've said feel a lot in this letter. What do I do? Thanks for listening to me. Even writing it down made me feel a little better. Thank you so much for writing. Um, Feeling is doing. I think we live in a culture where we think that like feelings are productive. (laughs) Yeah. Feeling feeling is doing. I think I just want Mm -hmm. to start with that. Um, Mm -hmm. I know that it doesn't always feel that way because we want to we want a more palatable action to get us out of our feelings. Right. Mm -hmm. Or. You know, we often think if I do X, Y, and Z, if I have my best life, if I am my perfect, most healthy, balanced human being, that my feelings will be in check and I won't have to feel them anymore. But that's yeah. that's a lie. <laughs> that's a lie that uh-huh. capitalism and the self-help industry tells us. <laughs> <laughs> um, that often we have to do, we unfortunately have to do it all. And the first thing we have to do is, is, is feel, um, having your perfect life, having that good routine is all really good. I can see you taking those steps towards having more of a sense of agency over your life. Um, Mm -hmm. but that's not gonna, that's not gonna save you from hard feelings. And I mean that as a forever statement, not just in Mm -hmm. this breakup. Um, we're, we're always going to have to feel hard things, no matter what. For sure. For sure. And I think, you know, Google in this instance is absolutely right that this is like <laughs> super normal <laughs> that, that, you know, our process of grieving or our process of um, understanding and experiencing breakups or any type of, of like big life change 
comes in waves. It comes in cycles. It's it's like, wait a minute, I was fine for eight months. And now suddenly I'm like crying every day about this thing that happened so long ago. And and it's just like, yeah, that's the circumstances that we're in, the context that we're in, the the way that our bodies are processing through things um, just ebbs and flows. And, and this is something that happens. And I want to say too, that this like sort of meta feeling that you're having around like, I I'm actually feeling worse about the fact that I'm having these feelings at all mm-hmm. is also mm-hmm. like super normal. <laughs> like, totally. Like you're not crazy for feeling that way that I like, it's sort of like a, like a meta feeling, like it's a feeling about a feeling. Um, and yeah. that's like super normal. And it's also something that you can talk to a therapist about too, right? Like you don't have to talk about like firsthand feelings all the time. You can also say like, I'm frustrated. Literally, I talk to my therapist <laughs> all the time of like, I'm frustrated that I'm feeling this way. <laughs> the number of times I've said that I don't like feeling this way, <laughs> uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> which is sure. empowering in itself just to be like, ugh, get off of me feelings. <laughs> For sure. And your feelings don't give a fuck if you don't like it or not. <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> like, they don't care. <laughs> I don't care about me. <laughs> no, they're going to like, like nope, this is still them. happening. <laughs> <laughs> By watching sad movies and listening to beautiful songs. Thanks, Spotify rap. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yes. Um, so like totally normal. Yeah, absolutely. Totally. 100% normal. And I think um, I've said this before, but it's important to remind yourself because you use the word relapse, which I actually love um, in terms of like a breakup and, and healing. Um well, what's the the most important thing to remember here is healing is never linear. We do not build healing by putting one brick on top of each other, right? To make mm-hmm. like a, a healing wall that is going to protect us from the pain, right? Healing is one step at a time. And guess what? That step might be backwards. That step might be sideways. It might be a little side shuffle. It might be mm-hmm. a stumble. It might be standing still for months, right? Healing is mm-hmm. not linear. It is more a choice that we make every day, right? Um, but it's, we're not always going to, I think in our culture, we we really become obsessed with the input output, right? Like I'm putting in all the work, right? I'm, I'm, I'm keeping... I'm, I'm staying active. I'm staying healthy. I'm dating. I'm doing everything that Google's telling me to do. Why is, why isn't the output coming to me? Well, because it's not an equation. Healing's not an equation. Healing is yeah. a, is a journey, right? It's not even a destination. It's a daily practice. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I'm also like feeling dragged by that because I feel like that's always my, like <laughs> my understanding of healing is like, I do the work so that good things come out of it. And it's like, that's not actually true. It just is like, well, and that's not even true of, of like love. Love isn't no. transactional in that way. You can't, you right. can't build a brick wall of love by being like, I'm going to be good to you. I'm going to, bu- I'm going to buy you this treat. I'm going to make you dinner and build this brick wall, you know, where mm-hmm. we are. We are way more um, intangible than that, right? Um, mm-hmm. And and healing isn't transactional. You can't buy healing. You can't mm-hmm. do the right steps to it, which is frustrating. Hey, one of the reasons why I love this letter is like the fucking title, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> because it's deeply frustrating. I've been, I've been there, you know, those moments where you're like, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't mm. want to be here anymore. I don't want to feel this anymore. I'm do- like, it's it's the fist up to the sky moment where you're like, I'm fucking doing what I've been told to do. Why isn't it paying off? Why am I not mm. being 
where's my reward? You know, and unfortunately, like I do believe there's a reward in those steps, but it's not going to feel like the transactional input output that we're used to. You know what I mean? The destination yeah. of healing. It's not going to look like you meditating on a beach, like with your perfect body on Instagram, <laughs> right? Like it's like, <laughs> no. that's not oh what God. it looks like. That's oh not God, what healing no. actually looks like. It's not a destination. Like Sierra said, it yeah. is like a process that we go through. And sometimes it means we have to take a step back in order to like learn something that we may have missed previously in, in our steps. And sometimes it means that like we're in a, in a place where we're being held back too, right? Like there's so many different reasons why these, these feelings could be coming up. And one of the things that we can do is just accept that it's happening, mm. right? Like name the feelings as they're coming up. Be like, oh, I'm feeling really sad about this man that I dated eight months ago, mm -hmm. right? And just like look at it and be like, that's that's what's happening here. It's not my it's not my fault. It's not a bad thing. It's not a good thing. It's just a thing that's happening to me. Yeah, totally. And in me. And right. Getting rid of some of those like shouldn't and should statements around like I shouldn't be feeling this like doesn't matter. <laughs> like, yeah, you are right. Like and actually just naming like inviting those things in and being like, yep, this is the thing that I'm feeling it's really intense and it's happening and I don't know how I, if I like it or not, but like I'm feeling it. So yeah. welcome. Like you're here. Totally. I can't push you away. I can't make you different necessarily. I just have to be like, yeah, I'm feeling sad about this. Cool. Good to know. Yeah. This whole conversation, I'm going to do like a little shameless plug. Um, cause it's, yeah. it's very organically reminding me of a, of a poem I wrote. <laughs> and uh, I, I don't talk about my writing career a lot on this show. Um, but, you know, before I was a podcast host, I was a full-time writer and poet. And um, maybe two years ago, I published a, or I put out a, like a poetry album that you can find on Spotify right now. If you look up my name, Sierra DeMulder. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you're like, but the, why I'm doing this shameless plug is that there's a poem on that album called self care. And it was all about, I had, a, I had had a horrible year. <laughs> I had had a year that was like really challenging. I was really trying to do the work, but I just was, I was continually challenged and I wasn't I was barely surviving, you know, like it was, mm. it was not a pretty year is how I would best describe it. And the poem self-care was about like the way we are taught to look at healing and self-care as this, like, I thought of it when you said, you know, perfect body on the beach on Instagram, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. we, we, we picture healing as like this really Instagrammable, like I'm doing a gratitude journal and I do yoga every day and I am doing the steps to be hashtag my best self, hashtag healing, you know, <laughs> when, mm -hmm. and, and then I was like, do I was, I was going through it. I was healing, but it did not look the way I had been taught by capitalism and social media that healing it healing should look like it looked a lot worse let me tell you it looked like <laughs> yeah. unfolded you know unwashed laundry it looked like moldy dishes it looked like takeout you know eating pizza by myself every night you know what I mean in my bed crying <laughs> you know like it was like uh -huh. not instagrammable and the poem is about leaning into that idea that like healing isn't always poetic healing isn't always this beautiful thing in fact it's it's in nature. Healing is growth. It's scabs. It's, it's, mm. it's bones growing back together painfully, <laughs> you know, like it's pus. Yes, yeah. exactly. And, <laughs> and, and in nature, it's, 
it's the trees. It's like the, it's the leaves dying and then coming back, you know, like it's, it's never always beautiful. And I wrote a poem just giving myself space, like Sam said, inviting those feelings in and just saying like, it's been a hard year and this is what I look like. And isn't that enough? Isn't that Mm. part of healing? So check that out. It's called self care and you can find it on my album fall (laughs) under Spotify. (laughs) Um, It it. says everything I want to say to you right now, dear letter writer, um, that like, Mm -hmm. you know, having seasons of your life, having stages of grief and, and stages that aren't so pretty and aren't, so comfortable are a part of the process and, and it's okay to welcome those stages. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think we've covered it all. You know, it, 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 there's no quick fix for heartbreak. And I, I wish there was, I wish Mm -hmm. I could tell you like, just focus on the negative memories as if that helped anyone ever, (laughs) (laughs) you know? Um, I think I would, my best advice would just be to, to lean into this new stage and know that you're not doing anything wrong, even if you're not seeing the output that you want to see. For sure. And remember that your feelings don't define you. Right. Right. They are they are elements of your process and experience of this world, but they are not who you are at your core. Right. So, right. Sort of distancing yourself from that and not and saying there's nothing wrong with feeling this way. It doesn't mean I'm a bad or unhealed person. Right. It's just a feeling that I'm having. Yep. Right. It's not the end of the world. It is not telling you something bigger than what it is, which is just that you're having a feeling about yeah. this. And like, and that's okay. It's okay to welcome those things in and appreciate them for what they are, which is one element of your existence on this planet. Boom. There it is. All right, my dealer. Thank you so much for writing. We love you. We hope this helps. Y'all, as a self-employed person, as a mom of a toddler, I am always struggling with finding time to manage my finances. At the end of a busy week, the last thing I want to do is spend time budgeting all of my expenses or tracking down customer service teams to cancel old subscriptions I no longer use. But now I use Rocket Money and it does all of that for me. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. With Rocket Money, you have full control over your subscriptions and a clear view of your expenses. You can see all your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, Rocket Money can help cancel it with a few taps. I love how the dashboard shows me this month's spending compared to last month. So I can clearly see my spending habits and check myself if needed. Plus, they'll help me create a custom budget and keep my spending on track. Rocket Money will even help try to negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with customer service for you, which I obviously love as a somewhat introverted, conflict-avoidant person. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Rocket Money has over 5 million subscribers and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash just break up. That's rocketmoney.com slash just break up. Rocketmoney.com slash just break up. 
The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets, sweaters, and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, and luckily I found Quince. Now I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. Quince has things like premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. And the best part is that all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. This past month, I treated myself to a pair of new slippers because I'm in that hashtag mom life era of my life um, in which... (laughs) Um, I am never not in slippers, and these are 100% Australian shearling lined clog slippers, and I love that they're slip-on, but they have those durable rubber outsoles. They're super cushy, super comfortable, but I feel like I can run outside to, like, take the trash out in them while also, like, staying warm and active in the house. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash justbreakup for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash justbreakup to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash justbreakup. The next letter comes to us from Thank You Next, whose pronouns are he, him, who is writing to us from Los Angeles. Hi, Sierra and Sam. First off, I want to say that you two are amazing. A friend introduced me to your podcast after a breakup, and I love listening to it. You two are so kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent, and you two are hilarious. Oh, my gosh. I feel so flustered. (laughs) Uh, The banter and accountability you have between each other is awesome. You and all the listeners who have written in have really helped me learn a lot about people and get through a breakup and a really tough time in my life. So here comes the story. I feel like a total dumpster fire, black, black, black butt, and have a lot of guilt and shame surrounding my last relationship. We met on Tinder and had a pretty great six to seven months together. We decided to keep things casual at first, but at about four months, I decided to determine the the relationship and ask her what she wanted to do next. She responded saying she didn't know if she was ready for a relationship, that she didn't want me to have to wait on her to get her shit together. She was working on not being codependent and had some abusive relationships with her exes in the past, and her dad was not around, so she had some abandonment trauma. I told her that I understood and that there was no pressure to move forward, to which she replied, let's compromise. Let's try to be being exclusive and see how it feels. To which I knew I should have said, as much as I would love that, that doesn't exactly match what you told me. And so maybe we should take a break or some space from each other to think about it because I'd rather us go into really wanting this. But my hopeful heart said, I would love that. (laughs) (laughs) We proceeded to have almost three months of a pretty decent relationship, but she struggled with vulnerability. She did slowly open up, call me babe, said she missed me, etc. I thought things were going really well. And then I didn't hear from her for two weeks. She had a new job, was taking some prerequisite courses to get into grad school for nursing, failed her prerequisites. Her job she was excited about turned out to be something she hated that was getting more and more difficult. And she said she couldn't do a relationship right now. I felt devastated, but somehow felt like it was coming. Here's the part where I really feel like a toxic dumpster fire. 
At first, I asked if she was okay and how she reached this point. And that first phone call was the curious, empathetic version of me that somehow turned into a two-hour call that turned into us saying that we should chat tomorrow as well. When we did, I slowly slipped into asking her things like, quote, how did we make it almost seven months? Do you always run away when things get more difficult and you start to have stronger feelings? What are you so afraid of? To saying things like, it feels like you're playing the victim to your beliefs about yourself and your narrative. I don't know anything about how hard it must have been to be in an abusive relationship or be abandoned, but I feel as though you're projecting your past trauma to me in an unfair way. She barely replied during this conversation. And it felt like I was just getting out all my feelings when she didn't need to hear any of this from me. And I feel like a terrible person for this. It ended with me saying, no, you're right. I do deserve better than this. I'm fighting for us and I don't need you. I want you and I'm choosing you, but I can't make you choose this or us. So I wish you all the best. Have a good night. Like the fool I am, I posted a guitar cover on Instagram that week and made a long blog-like caption where, like a big butt, I wrote something about her and for myself, not thinking about the potential consequences. Essentially, it said, quote, It's true that we all have hardships in our lives. It's not easy and things can really hurt. But when we self-sabotage, self-isolate, and play the victim to our self-limiting beliefs and our own narratives, we push ourselves away from those who want to support us. Our support system is not a crutch. And it's not bad to lean on others. It doesn't make you weak to ask for help. You're not broken and we're always worth it. So we have a choice. We can keep ourselves on the ground when we get knocked down or we can stand up and move forward. If we stay pitying ourselves, we'll never get out of the places we get, we're getting ourselves stuck. So do you choose to stay or choose to grow? At the time, I hadn't quite realized that I was speaking to both of us because it was a bit of a rage journal that I should have just written for myself and not put on an Instagram like a dummy. I checked in with her about a week or so later saying, I hate the things the saying, I hate the way things ended between us and just want to make sure you're okay. I'm here to talk if you want to. A week later, understandably, she messaged me back, referenced our calls and the Instagram post and told me she waited to reply because she was angry and disappointed. She told me she was hurt that I told her where she was in her healing, told her she was playing the victim and talked about things I shouldn't have related to her vulnerabilities she shared with me and that she had been manipulated, gaslit and abused in the past by her exes and she never expected it from me. She told me she thought maybe we could have been friends before, but doesn't even think that's possible now. I gave her a long apology explaining that I made the breakup about me when it should have been about her and her healing and that I was sorry for the extremely negative way I reacted. I said this too and probably shouldn't have, quote, I wasn't listening like I should have before, but I am now and I respect your boundaries. I have a lot of work to do to be the type of man you deserve and hope to be someday, but for now I'm stepping away to take time and space that we both need to heal. I've been doing a lot of head and heart work, just talking to friends about it when it feels appropriate, listening to your amazing podcast, considering therapy, being as introspective and reflective as I can. I find I still think about it a lot, but can't necessarily shake her and the thoughts of my negative and what I think is toxic masculinity related response to her saying she couldn't do it. I realized I wasn't listening and made it about me and victimized myself when I realized she wasn't listening or open to even talking about our mutual feelings or working things out, which by no means justifies or excuses my response. 
It's been about two to three months and I can't get the things that happen out of my head. How do I move past this? I've been on a few dates once I started to feel better, ugh. But she and the things that happened don't stop coming to my mind. I kid you not. I woke up the other day and it's the first thing that came to my mind. What the fuck? Haha. <laughs> I feel much better about everything, but still have shame and guilt about it. And at times think about reaching out again, post apology. But no, it's probably for the best that I don't. Should I ever reach out? How do I get this girl who isn't paying rent in my mind out of my head? Should I never bring up being exclusive with someone until they do? Is the better response to a breakup always a cold? Sounds like you made the best decision for yourself. Let me know if there's anything you want to talk about. I wish you all the best. Like, okay, bye, question mark. (laughs) Any thoughts and advice would be appreciated. Thank you so much for your time and the awesome podcast. Stay cool. Well, Mm. I'm not sure I can stay stay cool if I never was, but um, appreciate your letter. Thank you so much for writing. Um, okay, so to recap this letter, like, let me know if I missed anything, Sam, from my perspective. So mm. these people are dating, not exclusively for a couple months. They bring up that, you know, he brings up that he wants to be exclusive. She says, like, no, but let's give it a try. Um, and then I love that mentality. Like, no, I don't want that, but let's try yeah, it anyway. No, and I actually loved the letter writer's like little insight of like, I should have just been like, these two things don't align, <laughs> you know? Yeah, right. right. Um, so they they try exclusive and then she like ghosts for a couple weeks. Um, mm. And then it all comes to a head and she's like, I don't want this relationship. And then. From my perspective, and let me know if you disagree, the letter writer then has a reasonable under like a reasonable reaction. <laughs> it might not have been the most polished reaction, but like has a human emotional reaction to being dumped um, mm-hmm. by someone who doesn't seem like they're showing up. And the reaction is one of like, I want you to show up, like show up for me. You know, that's yeah. why it's, mm-hmm. it, it's, you know, might not have been perfect, but it was understandably human in my eyes right for sure and then they the letter writer does the even more human thing which is post about it on instagram because (laughs) that's just what we fucking do which is Uh fine i have little problem with that um and then ex-girlfriend is like i didn't like that way that you responded and we can't be friends and you triggered a lot in me And now the letter writer is like feeling a lot of guilt and shame about the way his emotions showed up and sort of didn't accommodate her emotions. True. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And I think that there's also some, you know, thank you. You strike me as somebody who's like sort of emotionally in tune of like sort of has done a lot of work to understand your like processes. And so also sort of projecting perhaps some of your own understanding of what this person you dated was going through yeah, and why they were doing the things that they were doing as well. So there's like that also that element too of, of him calling her up and being like, you're sabotaging this, like these, this is why you're doing what you're doing. And like, this is why it's not great. And right. Which is like, I think there's also some guilt in that of, of yes. that conversation as well. Yes. And I want to say, I do appreciate, um, I appreciate the self-reflection that's going on in here. I appreciate the idea of like, wow, I'm, I, this might be a, a toxic response of me that I made it all about me or like, I appreciate the line of thought 
that the letter writer put out in this. But I actually just, I don't agree with that line of thought. <laughs> I think that we are all like, there are, you know, we can, we can talk about the existing, um, gender role influences that might be manifesting here, you know, like the letter writer mentioned toxic masculinity and I appreciate that self-awareness, but also like, I don't, I, I think I, maybe I want to just start by saying like, um, thank you next. You're allowed to have an emotional response to something that hurts you. We are accountable to how those emotional responses manifest and might impact other people or hurt other people like we are accountable to that and it is our job to better understand ourselves so that our emotional pain doesn't come out in a way that's hurtful but uh if my partner of seven months ghosted me for two weeks and then was like i can't do it because of my trauma or whatever i'm not sure i would have the bandwidth like at least in the beginning, right? At least in the beginning, my pain would be loud enough to where my like enlightened guru self wouldn't be able Uh to say, you know, wouldn't be able to make it all about their healing. Like my healing needs space too. And I I do want to say like, I appreciate the mindfulness that you're entering this with, um, but you're doing a lot of self-flagellating like that, that hyper lens of like, was this toxic masculinity? Was I a toxic dumpster fire? All of these things like is not making enough space for me for the fact that you're allowed to have a re- response in this. You're allowed to have a re- an emotional response to being dumped. For sure. Yeah. And I, I would even argue that you're doing the opposite of what you think you're doing. And I think that you are solely focused on her and her healing and where she's at, right? Like it's all external instead of processing like, Ooh, what am I experiencing? What am I feeling? I'm feeling deeply hurt by the fact that this person is leaving me that I can't be with them anymore. I'm I, and instead being like, here's all of the things that have led her to this moment. Here's all the things that she's doing wrong or that she's, and then also being like, and it's my job to take care of her in the, through, through this breakup where I'm deeply hurt. Yeah. Like it's all sort of like externally focused. And I, I don't think that you, um, are being selfish in this. I think that you're not paying enough attention (laughs) to yourself, right? Right. Like I think that you're not paying enough attention to the path that led you here or like the, you know, like the, the emotions that you're experiencing in this moment, I think. And I, I say this because I also do this, right? Because I also, I'm so attuned to everyone else's emotions around me that I ignore my own. And that's where the stuff comes out in bad ways. Right. Because I'm like, I know that you're doing this because of this, 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 and this. And I know that it's going to turn into this because I've seen this happen before with you. And so I'm just like constantly trying to like keep the peace and make sure everyone else is okay. And then I don't get my needs met. So it comes out in really weird ways where I tell people what to do. Or I get really angry with them and Mm. they don't know why. Or I, right, because I'm not spending enough time thinking about my own emotional process, right? Mm -hmm. I'm running away from that because I've been told that my emotions don't matter and that I need to caretake for everyone else. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm experiencing from this letter. And the things that you're ashamed of that are coming out in you, I don't think are necessarily because you are, you shouldn't have said them or there's like, you're spending, you're being selfish. 
I think that they're coming out because you're trying to find a way to be seen and heard and you're, you just don't know how to do oh my it. God, yes. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> right. You just like, there's like, and, and the way that that's coming out is you sort of like psychoanalyzing her and trying to, to help her and in psychoanalyzing her own healing, yourself, which is like, like the audacity of having your like needs when you're getting dumped, you know? Right. Exactly. And telling yourself over and over again, like my needs don't matter. My needs don't matter. I'm being selfish by even considering the fact that I would want to talk to friends about yeah. this or would want to post something on, on, on Instagram. And like, I think it would be helpful for you to think about, to spend more time actually not analyzing all the things you've done wrong, but spending more time understanding the way that this is affecting yeah. you deeply and the, the hurt that you're going through and not be like, here's all the reasons why she's doing this to me, but instead be like, doesn't matter why she's doing it. It still hurts. Yeah. Everything about it still hurts. Yeah. I think back to our check-in topic, right, about seeing toxicity within ourselves. And I want you to shift the narrative to yourself. When I look back on those times in which I was not my best self, in which I like, it looks, it feels gross to think back on. I know, I don't think, wow, I was such an asshole. <laughs> I think, mm -hmm. wow, I was trying to get my needs met. Um, and just like Sam said, they came out in that way. There's literally no changing it other than this, the reflection that I do now. Um, so ch just change that, shift that narrative a little. Like I might not love the way I re reacted in this breakup or like I, I would have, I would do it differently in the future, whether I would make more space for myself or get out of the relationship earlier or whatever it is. But, but right now in the healing process, you just say, we were both trying to get our needs met and, and, and we did it in ways that hurt each other. Um, period. Like she hurt you, she hurt you. Mm -hmm. And, and that's, that's a part of human connection. The other thing I want to say is like zooming out of this. Um, if I were to look uh, critically at the at the fighting for you argument when someone says like I'm too broken and I'm not in my healing process the right place in my healing healing process to have a relationship and and the partner like you in this instance says well you you know like you're not fighting hard enough you're not like you're not you can either stay down or get up like you said in your Instagram account separate from this scenario that we're talking, like separate from your actual breakup, just talking about the ideologies behind that. I think it's important to remind you that like no one's healing is, is the same as your healing. Mm -hmm. And you will feel less of a need to save other people. If you recognize that you don't know what they need for saving. Right. Or they may, maybe right. they don't need to be saved. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I truly don't, I want you to like forgive yourself for whatever perceived toxicity you had there. I don't, I don't even want to spend too much time on this ideologically, but I do want to point that out. It's like, we, we feel that desperate urge to rectify people's actions, especially when we don't but, you know, agree with them, especially when they're hurting us or or don't align with our vision of, of how things should go down. We feel that desperate urge to right their ship when we are focused on the fact that we think we know what other people mm -hmm. need. Right. And it's just mm -hmm. a great reminder that 
people when people show you who they are, we have to believe them. And when people tell us what they need, we have to believe them. And we all know that some people use that line of like, I'm just not ready for a relationship. And you're like, really? Don't you want to like lean into intimacy? Like we all know, like we're full of judgment and that's okay. Like that's half of what Sam and I do on this podcast is pass our (laughs) not not critical judgment, but literally we put advice out there, (laughs) you know, like we, we pretend Mm -hmm. to know what other people have going on in their lives so that we can give our advice. Um, but in this instance, I think you would have, you would have manifested less friction or less of that desperate urge to write her ship. If you just said, you know what, she's on her journey. And like, I don't necessarily believe that people need to like buck up or stay broken. Like I don't, I don't ideologically believe in that. I think people are just like incompatible at different times of their lives and different times of their healing. And so Mm -hmm. it's maybe something, another mantra you can say to yourself is like, it's not that she was unhealed and that a healed version of her would love me. It's that she didn't want to be with me. Period. Yep. Period. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, because there's you're not in her body. You don't know yeah. what she's experiencing. And and so instead of being like, here's all the reasons why she needs to heal so she can love me, instead being like, what do I need? Yes. <laughs> right? Like, what am I feeling? I'm never going to know every reason why this happened. I'm never going to know what she was experiencing because I'm not I'm never going to be her in that moment. So instead be like, but I am me in this moment. So what do I need? Right. What am I feeling? What am I experiencing? And how is that shaping my understanding of, of myself and this relationship? And I don't want you to take this as you're being an awful person or you're, you're being, or you are an awful person, right? Like I want you to listen to this and instead take away from this, the idea of, you can spend more time focusing on how you're feeling about things because you deserve it because right. you are your emotions and your healing is just as valid as hers is. Right. And you deserve to have to be caretaked in the way that you're trying to do this caretaking for her caretaken. <laughs> Pull the Sierra there. <laughs> Caretook. Yeah. <laughs> Caretooketh. you're so dumb (laughs) yes right the point you were making was right (laughs) here's what i'll say i want you to talk to your friends about this but i want you to talk about how you're feeling about this right i don't want what you could have done for her right and i don't i don't necessarily even want you to talk about why she did the thing that she did right i think that that can be a good healing process but it also seems like it's not working really well for Mm. you like it seems like it's like keeping you in this like guilt slash shame slash whatever it is spiral that you're currently in so instead i want you to tell your friends it sucks that i'm never going to know all of the reasons why she did this and i'm deeply hurt by it period right That's what I want you to tell your friends. And I want them to do the thing that friends do, that good friends do, which is to help you to see you in that, to see your hurt, to hold you in it, to say, like, thank you for telling me that. Hopefully we can carry a little bit of it together for right now. Right. That's what I need you to do instead of spending all this time trying to figure out where she is in her healing journey. I love her and I hope that she has the people in her life that are going to help her in her healing journey. Yeah. 
but I don't care about her when it comes to you right now. Yes, <laughs> like, totally. And you did nothing wrong in determining the relationships. Like you did nothing wrong. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like, Thank you just, for bringing us back I know. to that. Well, I think I, we're, we're, we're wrapping up because we've said the core of what we want to say, the important messages. But you did say sure. like, should I have not, you know, DTR, should I not ask for exclusivity? Like, no, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> there's no like, there's no, there's no, there's no like steps that you did that like poisoned this relationship. You two are at their, at your core incompatible at this time in your life. Right. Period. Yes. You you asking that question didn't sour the relationship. Right. The fact that you wanted different things out of the relationship was what soured the relationship, which right. had nothing to do with you asking you that question. You two wanted to, not just you. It's not just what you wanted that soured it. It's that the two of you, you both wanted of you, different. Yes. Yep. 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 All right, my darling. <laughs> yep. 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 <laughs> cool. 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 Uh, we love you so much. Yes. Thank you so much for writing. And we hope that this helps. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right. Our third and final letter comes from a daughter whose pronouns are she and her, who is writing from Australia. Trigger warning for this letter that it does talk about terminal illness. Sam and Sierra, my dad is dying. Despite living his life well and always prioritizing joy and his health, he's just been diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's. It's just very bad luck. He is 56 and we probably have five good years left. My family, younger brother, younger sister, mom, dad, and me, are my whole heart. We are very close, but we are currently living all across the country, and the pandemic has kept us apart for large chunks of the last two years. In May and June of this year, exactly one month apart, both of my dad's parents also died. My grandpa died of Alzheimer's. While his form of Alzheimer's was different from my dad's and more expected as he was in his 80s, because I saw the disease close up, I know that I will lose my dad before he dies. Mm. I know that he will lose me too. I'm getting married in February and my partner and I had planned to start our family soon after that. My dad is really excited for the wedding. He's been working on his speech for weeks, trying to memorize my partner's family's names. When he told me of his diagnosis, he jokingly added that I give him, I better give him a grandchild soon. But how do I go ahead with all these happy plans and with having a baby when my heart is hurting so much? I don't feel strong enough to face losing my daddy or to go through this next chapter of my life without his support and guidance. I especially can't th face the thought that one day soon he won't even know who I am. So my question is, how do you love someone well? How do you love them so well that you keep a part of them with you in your heart forever? How do we all love each other well for these last few years that we have left? Love to you both from my hurting heart, a daughter. 
Oh, a daughter. Thank you so much for writing and for trusting us with this impossible letter, this impossible letter. Um, I'm, I'm so sorry for what your family's going to. And I extend my heart and my heart's the extent of my heart's empathy to you and your family. I know that from family experience with Alzheimer's and dementia, that it is just a type of disease that really brings us to our knees in what we understand about humanity and relationships. And it is such a uniquely, impossibly challenging diagnosis. And, um, and the questions that you pose in this letter are, are at the core of humanity. And I say that in other letters that are lighter, right? Like that it's human of us to want to post something on Instagram after we break, get broken up with, you know, but it's, it is also that humanity is also the same humanity that grapples with how do I move on with my life when everything in my life is halting? You know, why does the world move on when, when we're suffering? Um, and I, I see you in that impossibility. And I just want to say that you are being asked to do the unimaginable, to move forward with love and hope, to move forward at all, right? Mm-hmm. At a time like this. And also the unimaginable will always be asked of us. There's mm-hmm. no comfort in that statement, just nope. clar- cl- clarity, I guess, is that when I re- when I think about my life and the things that I have upcoming and the and the guaranteed challenges my life will have, like you said, no matter whether you prioritize your health or if you have great relationships or, you know, you meet the love of your life, you nothing is promised to us. So the unimaginable will always be asked of us. Will that ever make it easy? Will that ever make it palatable? No. Um, and I see you in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the question that stands out to me the most is, is how do you love someone so well that you will keep a part of them with you in your heart forever? Um, and I want to say that you've already done it, yeah. right? That and my experience for folks who don't know, my dad committed suicide um, almost three years ago now. Um, I know. Uh, and I'll tell you, at least from my experience, right? Cause every experience with, with, with grief is different, but from my experience, like I had no option, but to have him in my heart for, mm. for forever. Right. Like it just was not, even when I didn't want him to be there, <laughs> also yeah. like to name yeah. that. Right. Um, cause my relationship with my dad was, um, seems like more fraught, fraught. maybe than yours was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but it's already, it's going to happen. It's already there. He's already in your heart for forever and has been since, since the day that you were born. Right. Yeah. And like, I know that that sounds like stupid and pithy and like dumb, but I, there's no other way to say it than that is just to say he's already there and he will be, you're not gonna, you know, I could imagine that in this, these final years with him that sort of like trying to build up like a a well of like a reservoir of Mm. like love for him might feel like the most important thing to do because again like what happens when it runs out what Mm. happens when I use it all up Mm. 
But my experience is that it doesn't get used up. It is it is constantly renewing. Like my love for my dad, the way that I miss him, the way that I wish that he was here, the way that I, when I have to change a tire because I got a flat tire, my gratitude that he taught me how to do that, like was just always there. It's always there all the time. And it doesn't run out. It's never depleted. Yeah. It is always in my heart. Um, yeah. And like, I know that that's like really like a pittance when it comes to the idea of like losing your dad for forever. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to, I don't want to say that in a way that belittles the the fear and the pain that you're experiencing. And I just want to say on the other side of it, that that's my experience of it is that he's always there and he always will be. And I have come to, to have deep faith and abiding faith in the fact that he's going to stay with me for the rest of my life because he already has. Yeah. And that, that like, as in life, that relationship will always evolve. He Mm -hmm. will, he's already with you and that you're the way you carry him and the way you remember him and the way he shows up is going to ebb and flow like it does, um, in, in living relationships. And I think another th- thing that Sam is touching on that I want to say outright is that there must be, because you have this terrible, impossible timestamp, right? Mm-hmm. That makes us feel as though abundance is nowhere and has never existed. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to remind you that there is no wrong way to move about the upcoming years, right? Follow your joy, like follow your heart, follow what you get called to do, like what feels right. But there's no amount of memorializing or penance or, or, or anything that will make it more right. Right. Like of this pre, this terrible pre grieving time, right. Mm. That you're forced to grieve before grief is required of us. Um, There's no wrong way to do this. Uh, And uh, yeah, it just feels impossible. Um, It all feels, I, I, and I just want to like, also like in seeing you in this impossibility, I just want to like vocalize the things that are unfair. Like it's unfair. <laughs> right. Absolutely. I wanted to do that too. I've just like, yeah, that let's you're, list all the things that's shitty about this situation. One, <laughs> the diagnosis. Number two, the fact that your dad seems like a really fucking cool guy. Number three, mm-hmm. the fact that you have to have your wedding celebrated with this layer of paint right with this whole Mm -hmm. new with this this coating of grief you know uh the fact that you have this special day and this new era of your life and your relationship seen through now this lens of loss and grief and time god you know that's unfair it's unfair at the beginning of someone's marriage you should feel an infinite amount of time and it is unfair Mm. of life to make you feel like it is finite Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just sucks. Everything about this just sucks. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, your questions about like, how do I even pursue joy and these things that I want and these things that are important to me with this weight of grief on me? Like, how can, how possibly can those two things exist at the same time? 
And I just want to tell you that they do. They can and they, they will. And do, like yeah. you have an infinite capacity for resilience, right? And it sucks that you have to tap into it. It sucks that you're in a position where you have to find a way to move forward. And you're not going to feel resilient. You're going to be like, no, for Fuck sure. This I'm tapped. No, I, I can't do this. And then you're yeah. going to do it. It just, it sucks that you have to start this new life with your partner and pursue the joy of, of, of marriage and, and having children with also this knowledge that your father is going to die at some point in the near future. And even afterwards too, like with the knowledge that he's passed, like that all fucking sucks. And the capacity of life to go on is just amazing to me. It is just so remarkable and painful at the same time that right. like life doesn't just stop for one emotion at a time for one thing to process at a time. It just relentlessly goes on. And on the other side of it, I have come to find the beauty in that the idea of like everything is temporary. Everything is ephemeral and everything is complex and nuanced and beautiful in its complexity and it fucking sucks to have to be in those moments yeah. of being like, I have to experience multiple things at the same time that feel deeply oppositional to each other. Yeah. And there's also nothing we can do about it. I, I wish that there was a pause button on life so you could just be like, pause. I need to process through this like immense grief that I'm going through and I need life to stop for a while. Yeah. And that's not the way that life works. It just it. It's tragic and also amazing. Yeah. That life just continues to go on. That things that we heal, that we that well, we it gives us a resilient. blueprint. It gives us <laughs> yeah, a blueprint like, that, like, oh, you you're not ready. Well, here's the next day. <laughs> you know, this is what it's going to look for sure. like. And there's there's something that's really comforting about that too. Like, yeah, the the tide, like the the flow of the river is going to carry you along, <laughs> right? And you can trust in that. Like, there will always be tomorrow right like there will always be you got to just wake up and do it again right yeah. and that feels it feels devastating when you're so deep in your grief but there's all like there's also comfort in the idea of like time slowly progresses and you are you are pulled up in it whether or not you want to yeah any fucking uh life metaphors make me very emotional <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> the river of time, a train, you know, like any of that. Uh, I just had this thought sitting here. And so I'm not really sure if it's going to work or if it'll come out right. But when I think about my family member that I lost to dementia, um, there was this time in which he was so childlike, you know, that he, mm. that he wasn't, he did not remember me for who I was, but he, he presented in such a human way, in such a childlike way, this grown elder, you know? And I think about like how your question, like how do I prepare to lose him before I, I lose him, you know? And I'm thinking in this conversation about parenthood and children and life cycles. And I think like your father had to grieve all the different versions of you that he met, like you in mm. utero and then you grow, growing and changing developmentally so fast as a baby. And then all of a sudden you're a toddler and then you're a tween and then you're a teenager and all of a sudden you're an adult and he had to grieve 
those versions of you and that at the end of life, even when it comes soon and unfairly, we are forced to confront that every interpersonal relationship of our life is hand in hand with grief, right? We are always meeting new versions of the people we love and none of this is going to make it easier and none of this is going to make it not hurt. But I, I wonder if you can look at the next upcoming years as in that same reverence that like, this is a part of it that your father has already done this for you and the, and the hundreds of versions of you that he has met. And now you have Mm -hmm. to do that for him. And that, and that is a terrible unjust labor, but it is a labor of love. Mm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, I, I don't know if you can see the I, tears streaming down my face, but like I can. It yeah. was a soft cry. It was like a It was a soft cry. Soft yeah. and steady. I well, I think that was something that was so humbling about my experience is just like how childlike they can become and and how it shifts those roles of the parents, you know, becomes the child and the and the children becomes yep. the caretaker and the grandchildren becomes the adult and and none of it is fun or pretty, but there is a cyclicalness to it that we can that that we can remind ourselves was always there, was and will yeah. always be there, whether or not we are forced to face it. And mm. and that is what it means to to, to love and, and be open to the vulnerabilities of life. I hope that you know a daughter that we see you in this and we, we recognize how awful and unjust and stupid it is that this is happening. You didn't, that you didn't deserve any of this, that there's no pithy sort of thing that is going to like make this all worth it. (laughs) Like, Everything about this is just shitty. And I am I am so sorry that you have to go through this, that you have no other option than to move forward in the knowledge that this is happening. And I I wish that we could take it all away or that it was different. Um, but we also know that it's not, and that that this is this is the next chapter of your journey. Um and we hope that you just know that however you experience this is going to be the way that you need to experience in that. And however you move through the next five years is exactly how you need to do it. Um, and that life will push you towards that. will will make you do it. You don't have to like figure it all out right in this moment. You can just trust that you're going to do everything that you can to, to love your father. Well, to, to keep him in your heart and to do the things that, that you are going to do. Um, and it's not going to be perfect and it's not going to be beautiful and it's not going to be like Instagram worthy perhaps, but, but you're going to figure it out. And, and we hope that you know that we are here with you and want to support you and however you want to do it. We love you so much. Thank you so much for writing. All right, everyone, (laughs) this brings us to the blind date segment of our episode. Uh, and this is where we, Try and set you up with something that we think you're really going to like. So this week, our blind date is... 
This is actually a book that uh, somebody sent us, Just Break Up, to check out and that I am going to endorse for our listeners. It's called After the Breakup, A Self-Love Journal, Prompts and Practices to Help You Get Over Your Ex by Lindsay Dorch Brock, who is a licensed um, social worker. And it is it was sent to us just as something that they thought uh, the publisher thought we would enjoy. And I do enjoy it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think that if I, so, so full transparency, like I have not gone through a breakup since I've gotten this book, so I've not utilized it, but I have flipped through it and read the prompts and read the ideologies behind a lot of this. And I, I love that it's written by somebody who's from the mental health, like actually the the mental health world, <laughs> like yeah. licensed. Not just pretenders. Um, yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> and I know that a lot of times in these times of healing, as we've talked about before, um, we are grasping and groping for something, some sort of structure for our pain to fit into. And although we talked about today, there's no right or, you know, there's no right structure or steps that you can take to make your healing perfect. It does really help to have um, some sort of outline for yourself. So if you like those types of um, prompted journals, this is going to be perfect for you. Um, There are like journal entries, answering questions, like free writing, things like that. um, And some great, uh, just writing throughout about healing and and processing breakups and and how to let go um, and put your back, put yourself back out there. So it's again, it's called After the Breakup: A Self Love Journal by Lindsay Dorch Brock. I love that, and I, I love when people send us free. I things. know. Well, <laughs> I. <laughs> It hasn't always worked out to where I'm like, yes, I'll put this on the podcast. Um, and we don't get very many free things, just so you guys know. Right. It's been like three. <laughs> <laughs> so we're one for three right now. <laughs> Love it. Um, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah. I, I And it's also very cute. The design is very aesthetically pleasing. Love that. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Please... Um, Follow us, subscribe to us, write us a five-star rating and review wherever you get your podcast and consider supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month, you'll get an additional bonus weekly episode. That's patreon.com slash justbreakuppod. This literally keeps the mics on and helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers giving them relationship advice. Original music, recording, editing, producing all magical things by our good friend Spencer Worth Davis, a.k.a. Big Cats. Make sure to check out his music on Spotify. And remember, no matter what we do in life, we cannot protect ourselves fully from pain. Even our Mm. best selves, even our most healed self, our most prepared and polished version can never prevent our comfort from being threatened. But that's Mm. life. That's vulnerability. That's intimacy to risk this terrifying pain, to love and be loved well, to see and truly see others. And if all else fails, just break up.